us peace, about peace. And, and so we want to discuss that. And I think you'd have to admit with me that peace is like really missing from our war, world and culture right now. I mean, look at some of these pictures. We've got, you know, we just came through a couple of summers of, of riots and um, waiting on the pictures, guys. You know, we've, we've had riots. We've got, we've got crime in our city. How many of you have ever seen one of these? Pastor Kathy and I see them like twice a week or so, you know. And, and, uh, but we've had, we have shootings right here in our neighborhoods. We had, had a judge. Her mother was shot in New Orleans East by a group of guys that were stealing cars. You say, oh, stealing cars? That's not a bad thing. But when neighbors came out to confront them, one of the guys yelled, shoot those people. And they opened fire on all these people and this woman. The mother of a judge was shot, and, uh, not killed, but in critical condition. So we see that. You see over the summer we had uh, riots where they looted and burned stores. And uh, there's a store that's burned out. And, and, uh, and so just all this stuff happened where, where anything but peace was going on, right? And, uh, and so you had stores burned. Then, then you had, uh, you know, there's a Wendy's that got burned, uh, firebombed. And, and, and so... You know, nobody's yet to explain how that's a, an appropriate way to get your anger out, right? And, uh, and so, you know, but we did all that. No peace at all going on. And then you see uh, riots where people block the street. They don't do that in Louisiana because we don't pay attention to people standing in the street. We would run over them all down here. But, but out there, the, people stopped and were pulled out of their cars and harassed and stuff like that. And and then uh, you see the final cause of that, end of that, was, was people, you can't hardly read it, but they said, elderly here, please don't burn. You know, people were living in fear. And, and, and that's not peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And, uh, and so, you know, we've got just all kinds of things that go on, and, and you've got conflict throughout our culture. And, and so... That's not peace. Now, we're going to look at a couple of different kinds of peace. Let me just show you this. There, there's two types of peace. One, there's personal peace. That's peace right here. Then there's corporate peace. That's where we can all get along, right? And, uh, and so we're going to look at those. And, 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 I mean, think about it. If you can't get along with your family or your coworkers at work or your fellow students or your friends, or in some cases, as we watch our legislatures or our congressmen, how in the world, how in the world do you think we can have peace on earth? In other words, this. There will never be peace on earth until we have peace in our nation. Think about it. There's never going to be peace in our nation until we have peace in our homes. And there will never be peace in our homes until we have personal peace. Until we have personal peace. And uh, so corporate peace is often seen as the absence of conflict. You know, just no conflict. We're not at war, so we're at peace. That's really not the case, but, but that's the way corporate peace is kind of seen. The peace that, you know, that's a very basic level. Personal peace is not just the absence of conflict. Here's the definition of personal peace. I want you to write it down. Personal peace is the presence of a positive quality of life that includes freedom from fear and anxiety, it includes an outpouring of love and the calmness that comes from living a purposeful life. That is what personal peace is. That's personal peace. Now, we're going to break it, break it down even 
a little bit more than that. Now, we're in Christmas time, right? We're in Christmas time. So what, what are, what's one of the things we do? We're decorating Christmas trees, right? And so how many of you have ever decorated a Christmas tree? Show the pictures, guys. Maybe the pictures didn't get in there. Uh, so we decorated Christmas trees. Let me ask you, has anybody ever had a discussion while you're decorating a Christmas tree? Like almost an argument maybe <laughs> about where something goes? Or if you got married, your spouse looks at the ornaments you brought to the table and goes, oh, but no. <laughs> Some of you guys are with me on that. I don't even get that box out of the attic anymore, you know I mean? You know, it's, it's uh, you know, and so it, we, we don't even have peace putting together a Christmas tree sometime. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's hard to imagine a world with peace in it. I mean, it, it, it's hard to imagine because we don't even have peace in our homes. We, you know, it's, it, it, when, 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 when the focus is on your, your family, the people that you love, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's difficult even with your family members to imagine a week of peace sometimes. We all got a cousin, right? Or we all have an uncle or somebody that's uh, maybe a drama queen or king. And, uh, and, and so sometimes it's even hard to imagine a day of peace. So that makes it hard to imagine a world of peace. And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, we want peace. We sign peace treaties and stuff like that. Uh, but those don't, don't work as well as we'd like them to. So just like when you're decorating a Christmas tree at home, there can be some conflict. Uh, even the simple tasks sometimes dissolve into conflict and frustration. So what's the trick? What's the remedy to this? Look at this. Would you be surprised if I told you that peace resides in Jesus? Would you be surprised? Well, it does. Write that down. Peace resides in Jesus. Peace resides in Jesus. Look what Isaiah said. He said this, For a child is born to us. He's talking about Jesus. This Isaiah is five, six hundred years before Jesus was born, right? Went through a 400-year period of no, prof no prophecy in Israel before Jesus was born. And so Isaiah is before that. And he said, For a, for a child is born to us. A son is given. He says this, the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. A pa this, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. He's saying a lot here. He's saying... The Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I mean, that, in, in other words, it's going to happen. So Isaiah's prophet about Jesus. He's calling him Wonderful Counselor. He'll hear our, our, our hurts and listen to him. He's our mighty God. He can do anything. He's our everlasting Father. For those maybe that didn't have a father, he's the Prince of Peace. We're focusing on the Prince of Peace this morning. The government that Jesus is in charge of will never stop growing. It's not an earthly government. It's a spiritual government. And, and it will never run out of peace. In a world filled with conflict, it's hard to imagine, but in a world filled with conflict, the only answer 
is the peace that Jesus Christ brings. So what does it mean? How can we embrace Jesus in the middle of all this? What does it mean to do that? How can we have peace? So we're going to look at things. Jesus predicted some things. One, Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. Write that down. See, what happens is a lot of times we think, oh, I'm a Christian now. Nothing bad's going to happen. Anybody besides me? I mean, I never really thought that, but I've run into too many people that have. You know, oh, well, you know it rains on the just and on the unjust. We live in a fallen world. But Jesus said you're going to have trouble. Look what he said in John 16, 33. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you can have peace. He's just told them, you know, he's talking to the disciples and he's saying, look, there's so much more I want to teach you, but I'm fixing to go to heaven, so I'm sending you the Holy Spirit he will teach you. That's what he's telling them. And they didn't understand who the Holy Spirit was. And they're going, well, uh, you know, uh, I don't understand Jesus. And, and uh, you know, Jesus is all the time having to go, all right, guys, let me break it down. And so he's, he's done that. He said, I've told you these things. I've told you I've sent in the Holy Spirit to teach you so that you may have peace. He said, because in the world you will have trouble. You're going to have unemployment. You're going to have hunger. You're going to have violence. You're going to get cheated. You're going to have people treat you mean. He said, you're going to have all these things. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What he's saying there is, is phenomenal. He's, he's telling them, look. He's telling them what's fixing to happen. It's not nice. He said, you're going to have trouble ahead. Now, all, all of the disciples but one died a violent death. John the Revelator, the one who wrote John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, he's the only, and they tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil. He just didn't die. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he's the only one that didn't die a violent death that led to, lived to a ripe old age. The rest of them were either crucified upside down, had their head cut off, stoned, killed. He said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you can have peace even though you're going to be killed. You can have peace even though everything seems to be going wrong. And let me tell you, he shared the, those words with those disciples 2,000 some odd years ago, and they are still relevant today. Because, see, the advantage we have, and we have an advantage they didn't have, Jesus has already died and risen again and sent the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We can understand it. We, we, we look at history and say, all right, they executed Jesus. Three days later, he pops back up, seen by over 500 people at one time. And, uh, and so we've got that advantage. We know he died. Yeah, but we know he rose again. We know he went to heaven. We know that he's coming back. And we, because of that, Jesus is saying, because I've overcome the world, even in the world, in the chaos of your job, in the chaos of whatever relationship issues you're having, in, in the chaos of this pandemic, in the chaos of supply shortages, in the chaos of you might not get to eat at the Joy Fellowship if you come too late, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you can still have peace. You can still have peace is what he's saying. Write this down. Having peace at Christmas means believing in and trusting all that Jesus did. You got to believe in it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to have a conflict-free life. We know that's not the case, or a problem-free life. In fact, I believe our allegiance to Jesus and the kingdom of heaven puts you in opposition to most of our culture. Puts you in opposition to most of our culture. You can, you can expect as you stand for Jesus, 
people are going to come at you. When you make a stand uh, for righteousness, just for you living it, you don't even have to preach it. If you're just trying to live it, you're going to have people that will oppose you. The culture opposes you. Let me tell you, all of the culture does. Because we live in a progressively immoral world. You try and live a moral life. They're not going to like that. Uh, you know, and so, uh, but we can have peace through all of that. You can have peace right here, no matter what's coming at you. You can have peace right here, no matter if you just lost your job. You can have peace right here. You can have peace right here if your kids aren't acting right. You can have peace right here, no matter what is going on in your life. And so you can have that peace and uh, because it resides in Jesus. Number two, write this down. Jesus peace exceeds understanding. Jesus' peace exceeds understanding. See, a deep and abiding peace is something that's difficult to understand and it's hard to explain. Paul gives us a glimpse of it. We're going to look at it. But it, it's a peace that when you close your eyes at night, it's there. See, people don't understand. How can it exceed understanding? Because people don't understand how you can be at peace in a COVID world. People are freaking out. Every time somebody says variant, new variant, people go, oh. You can have peace. Unfortunately, too many people in the body of Christ don't have peace with that because they've let their politics get in the way. But you can have peace no matter what's going on. And see, it exceeds. How can you have peace? How, how can you have peace if you just lost your job? How can you have peace if, if, if your kids just messed up? How, you know, I mean... It's hard to explain. Paul said it like this. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Now he's saying, hey, look, always be full of joy of who? The Lord. We want to get our joy from Jesus. That's part one of the, one of the fruits of the Spirit of pressing into God. But he said, always be full of it, even when you've lost your job, even when your kids are messing up, even, you know, all of this stuff's going on, be full of joy. And he said it again. I say again, rejoice. Now, I just want to say something. He said, I say again, rejoice. Some people need to get their joy back, all right? You need to stop focusing on the things in this world and start focusing on the one that gives the joy, and that's Jesus. He said, I say it again, rejoice. Get joyful again. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. What happens when we get stressed? We kind of get inconsiderate, right? We go cutting people off in traffic. We yell at people. All kinds of stuff. He said, let everyone see your considerate. In other words, act like a Christian, people. He said, remember, the Lord is coming soon. Pastor Kathy touched on it. The Lord is coming soon. Always jokingly say this. If he waits too much longer, he might have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I know God doesn't have to apologize for anything, but can you imagine how bad Sodom and Gomorrah must have been? I mean, you know, if you've been around here at Mardi Gras, uh, it had to be pretty bad. Then Paul says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Now listen, God doesn't want us to pray, Oh Lord, I want your will in my life. Now He does want us to want His will. But if, you, if you've got a, a need in your life, He wants you to tell you what that need is. Lord, I, I need you to give me some guidance on my teenager. That's a prayer. I need you to let me know whether I need to kill him or lock him up. I mean, you know, I don't know that. He, he will tell you don't kill him. But, I mean, you might, you might need God's guidance on the job to take. You might need God's guidance in your relationship. He says, 
Tell him what you need. I want to say this too. He says, thank him for all he's done. I was listening to a sermon from a pastor a couple weeks ago. And he said, the Lord told him, and, I, and this resonated with me. He said, he said, the Lord told me that I would not get more until I was happy with what I had. I want you to think about that. How often are we complaining and whining to God about we don't, we don't have this or we don't have that. And God's telling us, you need to be thankful. He said, tell him what you need and, give, and thank him for what he's done. We've got to be thankful. We need to come to God always with a with an idea of thankfulness. Let me tell you, if you look for it, every one of you, every one of us, you're watching on, online, all of us have something we can be thankful for. I mean, go home and just write down 10 things that you can be thankful for, and you can find them. You can find them. Might have, might have just been in a car wreck. You can be thankful for insurance. I mean, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, uh, and so you can be thankful. Then he says, then, once you've prayed, once you've thanked him, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So that's, that's like I'm saying. You're saying, how can I be at peace? I remember when I worked in hospital world, we were going through something called Joint Commission on Accreditation of Hospitals. Called it Joint Commission for short. In a hospital, if you don't pass that inspection, which came around then every three years, they basically shut you down because you lost all your Medicare and Medicaid money, which is what keeps them open. And, uh, and so uh, we, we were going through this inspection. And let me just say, we had about 25 department heads. There were three of us that didn't drink. And at the, at the party celebrating that we passed the night after, the bar bill in the 1980s was like 1500 bucks for the ones, and, there, and three of us weren't drinking. That was a whole lot of letting off steam. Somebody asked me in the middle of all that, how can you be calm like you are? Witness an opportunity. I got to talk about Jesus for a minute. That, you know, because I'm going to do the best I can and Jesus is going to just have to do the rest. He's the one that gives me my peace. And so you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. He said, then you can have peace. People don't understand. How can you possibly have peace? All these people get drunk out of their minds because they don't have peace. You can have peace no matter what's going on. And then he says, this peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So not only are you going to have that peace, he's going to guard you with that peace. Listen, in every situation, whether it's good or bad, uh, you, re- you present those requests to God, you thank Him for what He's already done, and, and more often than not, uh, you know, something amazing is going to happen to you and in the circumstances you're praying about. We get to trade anxiety for peace. We get to trade fear for rejoicing. We get to trade suspicion for faith. And, uh, and, and amazingly, divinely, miraculously, the peace of God we have in Christ will guard our hearts and minds. Folks, that's a deeply personal inside peace I'm talking about. This is exactly the reason I came to faith in Christ. So write this down. The peace of Jesus exceeds anything we can understand or explain. It's just, until you experience it, you don't know it. And I don't ever want that peace to leave the peace of God. I didn't have peace. I was angry, hot-tempered, all kinds of stuff. And I wanted peace that I saw in a man named John Elder. This guy was modeling peace. He was talking to us. He was doing things with us when I was a young guy. And and he had something I didn't want, and it was a relationship with Jesus that gave him peace, even when things weren't going right for him as the director of Youth for Christ in Rome, Georgia. 
And so I saw that in him, and I wanted that. And he told us it was a relationship with Jesus. And on one Thursday night, I gave my life to Jesus, and I experienced that peace. See, John, John uh, walked up to me that Thursday night. We, me and three other guys had come back into the Youth for Christ meeting late and uh, because we'd been scoping some girls out at another meeting across town, and, and, and they were mad at us for some reason, so we left and came back to this one. We snuck in at the end, and he's closing in prayer, and Lord, I want to pray for the four boys that came in the back. <laughs> so we're eating our snacks after, and he walks up to me and, and my friend Jeff and says, when are you going to get off the fence? See, we had one leg in Christianity and one leg out. And Jeff said, oh, maybe next week. And so John turned on him, and I walked over here. Got away, but that night I went home and I and I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior and be my Lord. Change, change. So that peace is unexplainable almost. Number three, peace is Jesus' gift to you and me. Peace is Jesus' gift. Have you ever have you ever read the Gospels and seen how many situations Jesus got in and been amazed that he was able to keep us cool? A lot of them were with the disciples. I mean, they're going, oh, Master, don't, don't, we're going to die. We're going to die in the boat. And Jesus said, where's your faith? I guess storm quit. See, Jesus, he came into all kinds of things. I mean, Herod tried to kill him as a kid. I mean, Satan tempted him. So Jesus used the word of God to overcome that. I mean, people uh, came to him for healing. Some of them didn't even thank him when they walked away healed. You know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, when he called Matthew, he went to dinner with Matthew and the Pharisees. All the religious people said, why are you eating with somebody like that? And Jesus kind of corrected them, but he didn't get crazy. I mean, you know, somebody else might have gone, yo mama or something like that. I mean, you know. And, uh, you know, so think about it. I mean, he was repeatedly interrogated by the Pharisees. On multiple occasions, more than once, the crowds tried to grab him and kill him. And, uh, and then to top it off, for three years, Jesus traveled with a man that he knew was going to betray him and cause him to be executed. And he handled it as only Jesus could. So why, what did Jesus know that we don't? <laughs> what did Jesus know that we don't? How could he do that? See, Jesus had complete and total trust in who he was and what he was doing. He trusted the Father because of his trust, because of his faith. He was able to have peace in any and every situation. Because of your trust and because of your faith, you will be able to have trust and peace in any situation as well. That's power. See, the great thing is that Jesus has this kind of peace and he wants to give it to you and to me. Look what he said in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. It's not something we earn. It's not something we work up. It's I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. Amen. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. What he's saying here is, look, your job won't give you that peace. Your relationships won't give you your, that peace. The kids you're raising and pour your life into, they're not going to give you that peace. It doesn't matter. Nothing in this world can give you that peace. Only Jesus can give you that peace. He said, I give you the gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. I'm giving you peace. So write it down. Peace is a gift from Jesus. Peace is a gift from Jesus. It doesn't come because things got better. Peace doesn't happen because your situation got better. 
It's nice when your situations get better. Peace comes from Jesus. It also doesn't come from anything else the world offers. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. And just like any other gift, you have a choice to stick your hand out and receive it or not. You don't have to take that gift. I mean, if I were offering a $50 bill up here, the only one that's a gift for is the one that's going to come get it. I'm not offering a 50. I don't have one, so don't come, don't come bum rush the pulpit here, you know. But, um, but you know, what I mean, that's the thing. You've got a choice to receive it or not. Unfortunately, we receive too many things from the world, don't we? And those things we get from the world called anxiety, cause anxiety, they cause depression, and they cause hopelessness. So let me ask you: Are you ready for Jesus' peace today? Are you ready to receive some peace today? We'll wrap this up. Number four, I want you to write this down. The best Christmas ever is going to be marked by peace. The best Christmas ever will be marked by peace. Like we discussed last week, we have the hope of Christ because of who Christ is and what he's promised to do in and through our lives. And and he's a light that shines into a dark world, and he's told us to be a light that shines into a dark world today. I want you to know you can have peace that exceeds or transcends everybody's understanding by letting go of all your troubles and giving them to the sure hands of Jesus. So write that down. If we're going to have lasting peace, we're going to have to make peaceful people who are peacemakers. You see, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to make some peaceful people. How do you do that? You've got to have the peace of God in your life. How do you have the peace of God in your life you receive? Jesus. See, Jesus wants to give us his peace. And he wants us to share it in a dark world. And, uh, and so we've got to go through a heart change with that. And here's, here's, here's what Paul said. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. And let me tell you what that's not. That's not somebody that's just prayed a prayer and tried to get some fire insurance. Oh, I don't want to go to hell. Because they've got fire insurance. He said, if anyone belongs to Christ, that means I've given my life to Christ. Lord, it's no longer what I want, it's what you want. It's no longer me, it's you, God. And he says, when, it, when you belong to Christ, when you've given your life, see, Jesus, too many people want to invite him to be their Savior. Jesus said, it's a, it's a package deal, Lord and Savior. Jesus told his disciples, hey, come follow me. Now, were they perfect? No, but they were still his disciples. I mean, my goodness, Peter ought to give us all hope. I mean, he's dumb as a stump. I mean, Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. I mean, so far as I know, Jesus has never told me, and maybe he's told some of y'all, but I've not, you hadn't told me about it. But he had to tell Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, how bad is that? He called Peter the devil. Now, some of y'all bringing some of these sweets up in here, you're getting close. <laughs> Listen, you gotta give, you got to give your life to Christ. Write this down. When you let Jesus have your troubles, he gives you his divine peace. He gives you his divine peace. I want to ask you, what do you need to let go of today? You see, when you, when you turn it loose... He gives you his peace, that soul-satisfying peace. Bow your heads. 
What do you need to place in the hands of Jesus today? What do you